Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco, and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we are starting a two-part special series with uh, interviews with game-worn hockey jersey collectors. Now, these folks also collect other things, but primarily they are game-worn jerseys. And they also have some really neat stories about folks that they've met, places they've been, um, really neat jerseys that they've found in unusual places. There's always a story to every jersey that they own. And I figured, what better way to showcase that than to put them on a podcast? So this will be kind of an experiment. I may do more of these down the road because there are a lot of collectors who have been uh, interested in doing something like this. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll start off tonight with Bill Lyons, who is a Flyers collector that happens to be, I believe, in the Florida area, or at least was from the Florida area. Bill's got all sorts of really interesting stuff, so have a listen. Bill, thanks for joining. How are you this evening? I'm doing good. What's going on, kids? Uh, not too much, I guess, on this end. The Jets are actually playing Chicago right now, so that'll be fun. Winnipeg's been in something of a uh, a downward spiral, as my previous podcasts have been uh, all too keen to take on recently. But on tonight's episode, we're not going to be focusing too much on how much the Jets suck, but rather some of the great things from the Game Worn, from the game worn community. Um, so, Bill, to start us off, tell us about what got you into Game Worn collecting and why you're really interested in the hobby. Well, I've always been a collector at heart. Um, I'm a total nerd and nerd out about a lot of different things. So I collect a lot of different things, you know, from Star Wars to any kind of cool statues that I'm interested in, just whatever. So I also have had a love of hockey since I'm four years old, right? I've played the game for, for probably half my life. So it just seemed like a natural progression. And it started with our local SPHL team, the Pensacola Ice Flyers. Uh, I started collecting there. And at that level, you really get to know the players a lot more. Um, I've been fortunate to become buddies with a lot of players in the past so that's what kind of jump started it. And uh, in the past, I'd say maybe four or five years, um, I've gotten away from minor league and into the the big league of NHL game worn collecting. Do you have a specific NHL team that you collect or do you just kind of pick players or things that you're interested in? So I'm from Philadelphia. Uh, so the Flyers are definitely my, my big team. Um, I don't just collect... Uh, the Flyers blindly um, by any stretch. I definitely have my favorite players. I also have West Coast teams that I like. I've, you know, like every one my age, I grew up with the Mighty Ducks. So the Ducks are my West Coast team. I love the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I'm a total bandwagoner, I'll admit, but it's hard to not jump on that bandwagon. Um, but I definitely have my favorite players outside of that. Like if you put um, like a Scott Niedermeyer or Marty Brodeur jersey in front of me and I have the money to burn, like I'm not going to say no to that. You know what I mean? Like there are players like that that you can't ignore. Uh, but I definitely, the majority of my collection, uh, as far as NHLers, will split between um, uh, the Flyers and the Ducks. But I just made a deal a few weeks ago for a Predators jersey because it's a player that I really like from the Flyers. So. Who are uh, some of your favorite Flyers players? I think we may have, um, if, if Philly, Philadelphia and Winnipeg always seem to get linked in trades, 
And uh, usually it's everyone's asking for Nikolai Ehlers for, uh, I don't know, Robert Haig or something. But, of course, I think most Flyers fans who have seen Haig kind of tend to get the sense that he's, well, he's not exactly an elite player, uh, although everyone likes his physicality and stuff. But who are some of your favorite Flyers guys that you would collect? Yeah, see, I got to disagree with you there on Haig. Like, he might not put the points up um, as you know, to name him again as like a Scotty Niedemeyer might have done back in the day, but he does a lot of things right, man. And you mentioned his physicality. That's something us Flyers fans really love. So yeah, I mean, I, I'll go with you. Maybe not elite in the sense of like a Ryan Suter is an elite D-man, but he's a real strong young D-man. And I actually have one of his jerseys that I found. Um, I actually went to Migray a couple summers ago and was just it's an amazing, if you guys ever have a chance to go to the Migray warehouse, you have to go. It's, it's an amazing place to visit. You're just like, there's nothing but jerseys. There's like three levels of jerseys in that warehouse. It's insane. But I was just flipping through them and found Haig's, uh, I believe it's his first goal. And I managed to get that kind of at a good price. But um, some of my favorite flyers beyond that, um Hartsey, Scott Hartnell he's definitely a favorite of mine you know he's he was a decent point producer in his career and just an all-around good guy like very congenial and he was a fan favorite for sure um in that same vein I love Wayne Simmons and those are two guys that since I love them so much I love watching them skate and play and their personalities I will collect them beyond the Flyers like that Preds jersey is a Hartnell jersey from the fifth anniversary year um, so I'm going to be excited to get that. Uh, I would totally get a Simmons Devils jersey, even though I'm, you know, I'm a Flyers fan. I'll, I'll still get those jerseys uh, if I have the opportunity. Um, some other favorite Flyers uh, from the past, John LeClaire, for sure. Um, let's see. There are some guys that you just can't afford sometimes, like, I don't know when I'll ever be able to afford a G jersey. His jerseys are like three grand at retail price. And it's just, even on the aftermarket, no one wants to let go of them. Um, but a uh, Gostas Bear, Ghost Bear, I would love to eventually have because he came up through the Florida system. And now that I live in Florida, it that, that's very um, appealing to me because I know how hard it is to find good youth hockey in Florida. And the fact that he was able to come up and become um, an actual elite defenseman. I would call him an elite defenseman for sure. He was, I think, reached, I think he broke the record for um, rookie D-men to hit a certain point range, I think it was, to break 100 points or something like that. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of guys I like, but those are definitely some of my favorites. Gostaspare, I think, was actually one guy Winnipeg was rumored to be targeting. Uh, as you as you've probably seen, our defense this year is essentially down to like half minor leaguers, Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk. So things are uh, things are going kind of swimmingly. But um, I remember when Gostaspare first broke into the league, he was like this hot young college stud from I think it was Union, and uh, he was really exciting. I, I enjoyed watching his skating. And he's got a pretty good shot, too. I know, like, the past season or two, he's had a, a little bit of uh, issues with some injuries and stuff. Yeah, but... a little slump lately, but it's he, – he, he'll he he'll grow out of it. Like, I, he, he's such an amazing skater and player. And like you said, he has, he has the hard one-timer. He has a lot of tools. He just has to learn to settle down and simplify his game. 
And if the Jets are after him, that worries me a little bit, man, because in the past, our organization, the Flyers, they, they've just been pretty trigger happy um, on making just any kind of deal. Uh, but I'm hoping that's settled down with the newer management lately. I think you guys have like, is it Fletcher? Chuck Fletcher, I think, is your GM now from the Wild, something like that. I forget who it is. That sounds Honestly. right. I, I, after all the mess with, um, with Baruby, uh, I kind of like once they let Hextall go, I kind of washed my hands of what was going on in the front office and just focused on what was happening on the ice. So that might make me not a great fan, not knowing precisely who's the GM. But once I got rid of Hextall, I was like, you guys don't know what the hell you're doing. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm just, gonna get angry yeah i think a lot of something people are, control. a lot yeah. of people are exactly in that boat i mean hextall is uh even now like you know if they fired hextall i understood why they felt they had to do it but you know i was definitely on the boat that i'm like okay well if you bring somebody in it's gonna have to be somebody who's better than hextall and the options for that are unfortunately pretty pretty slim in this league so yeah i mean he was totally turning it around he came from a successful organization he came from the kings having learned a lot from there, also known as the LA Flyers. And it 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 made no sense. The mess wasn't his. The mess was Barubi's and um Holmgren's, uh, I think it's who I mean. Um it's late. Um it was all Holmgren's mess. So they they were just looking for a scapegoat is all it is. And it pissed everyone off. Everyone loves Hexy and he I thought he was doing a great job finally digging us out of that hole we were in, man. Yeah, Paul Holmgren's uh I think Holmgren actually has a job again. I forget where, but man, the Holmgren Probably era for the Flyers. <laughs> Probably. Oh man, Holmgren, that was such a bad era. Um but kind of thinking and, you know, about him. Some... St- Go ahead. I was gonna say, in spite of all of that, I still see um diehard Holmgren fans like on the game worn in the game worn community. And like that, like big ups to them for still being able to hold on to their fandom. But like after all that, I just like I wouldn't touch a Holmgren jersey. I don't care. Yeah, there are some jerseys that where some guys usually I, I try to avoid guys who are criminals uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I could imagine that a lot of folks. The funny thing about the community is they tend to uh, once they like a player or maybe a staff member or something who once played, they tend to kind of be lifelong fans of those guys. They don't, uh, they don't give it up easy. If you had to pick one guy who you say maybe could be that kind of player for you, who would you have gone with? It's a tough question to be honest. Like a, like a player who I'll never let their Jersey go. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Or, or if you, if there's like one player that no matter what you would always, always take oh, a Jersey. Always. of. Um, I'm going to I'm going to detach from the Flyers a little bit because I feel like that's a little bit too easy of an answer to just pick any flyer. Um so I'm going to go John Scott. Mm, yeah, I think uh, Scott actually has a couple I know we've seen a couple of his jerseys float around in the group, but I remember um I remember when he was with the Sharks, he used to be a real tough guy and then the whole All-Star game thing happened with I felt bad with the whole Montreal Arizona thing. But honestly, like John Scott, as far as I was concerned, would be like a super cool thing just to have the whole story of. So I actually have one Scott jersey I got from uh, Morton Creek. Uh, I've never had to say his last name out loud. Um, 
And we made a good deal. It was a good transaction. And it's from actually his rookie NHL year. I'm really happy to have it. Um, it's not like his first fight, his last fight, nothing like that. But uh, Morton still has, and I bug him about it every single time he posts about like selling a bunch of stuff. He still has the story pieces, like his Scott's two Yotes jerseys from that season. And I want them. And, you know, I've offered him a couple times and it's just it's one of the things he's not ready to let go and that's fine um but there's another guy who I, I forget his name in our community that has a bunch of scott jerseys on hand like from his college years forward and um every time i look at them i just want them all but they're and they're he has them all pretty decently priced considering but uh it's just not something i've been able to pull the trigger on um what i find you know you mentioned him playing with the sharks what's cool about that is he was playing with them during their time with the stadium series so there's a stadium series john scott jersey out there somewhere um so i want that too <laughs> i can imagine uh, i, I mean, want all the scots what what an experience it must be for a guy like him who you know usually traditionally lived on that fourth line enforcer role to get a chance to wear a stadium series jersey and maybe even practice on the ice a little bit oh it's got to be an awesome feeling and and going back to the all-star thing like I don't, I don't care what, you know, we, we just go forward a little bit. We just learned that Jr. got fired. Meanwhile, Mike Milbury still gets to work and he was bashing Scott the whole weekend, man. Like shut the hell up. Like the fans wanted to see it. The all-star game is a joke. Like it's a, it's a fan fueled event. It's not a serious event. And you, the NHL made the decision to hold fan votes. So the fans wanted Scott that started out as, as a joke. Sure. But then it got serious and he was voted in, let the guy play. And it became an amazing story. Guys are getting tattoos on his celebration. Caner is getting in the mix, having a, having a faux fight with him. You know, he was voted MVP of the event. Like, like shut the hell up, Milbury, let people live and play and be happy. And anyone that has anything negative to say about that, like, I just don't need to hear from you, man, because I thought it was a beautiful moment in hockey, especially when the all-star game is just can get boring. You know, it's it's nice. It was nice to see something fresh. Yeah, I think we all can agree that uh, Milbury's opinions tend not to hold a lot of weight. <laughs> he uh, yeah, he man. talks a lot and people don't really hear any of the words coming out of his mouth because they're usually just not very friendly or nice or accurate. That Yeah, totally, man. I just. I, I have to like mute the TV whenever he comes on. But but anyway, I digress. We all know he sucks. We're we're here to talk about jerseys though. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of uh speaking into jerseys, I wanted to move to our next question. What for you was kind of your most special memory around a jersey, whether it's interacting with a player that you uh were really fond of or maybe even something like reuniting a player, any of those kinds of cool memories or stories? Ooh, uh, that's a good one. So there's definitely a lot of good memories attached to my early Ice Flyers jerseys because, again, like I mentioned, we got to know those players a lot easier. So I have um, like three from Joseph Butel, who was our enforcer for a couple years, and a couple of those are from the back-to-back cup year. And, um, you know, he just became a good buddy. So those are ones that are special to me. Um, Trying to think through the ones that I have. 
Um, not necessarily a special interaction, but I do have um, Shea Theodore's uh, Vegas jersey from the uh, playoff run in the inaugural season. And what I love about it is it's the away set, the white sets. And for those that remember or watched it this closely, in those playoffs, they clinched every series they won away. So that jersey was worn every time they clinched the history setting playoffs. And I think that's really cool. Um, apart from that, anything else personal? Not, not really. Like I said, it, it's all kind of, um, it all kind of revolves around the SPHL jerseys. Um, I'm trying to get a lot of rid, a lot of them of, but, uh, you know, like specialty night jerseys are always cool jerseys that I've worn, um, to special events. Uh, there, there's just a lot of memories to all of them, man. It's, it's hard to pick pick just the one for sure of the jerseys that you have a lot of the uh, a lot of those minor league jerseys especially some of the uh, the more obscure ones like sphl and, and things like that some of those tough guys tend to really beat up their jerseys do you have any really you know kind of roughed up ones because a lot of the modern gamers these days um adidas this year had more wear than some of the other jersey styles that they had from reebok but are there any ones that you kind of like really love to see because of how many repairs or something crazy about the repairs that they had to do so there's nothing like super crazy, like um, like it being ripped, you know, beyond repair or anything like that. Although that's happened, especially when they switched to Bauer for a season, but the and the Bowers would just shred. They were they were not of good quality. But uh, you know, there there's a couple that are really kind of beat to beat to hell with. Um, especially on the sleeves there's because they don't really have time to super repair them. Like they might on in that level, they might just like glue them shut. Um, and that's it. So a lot of the holes and they only have the, the two sets normally, maybe there's an extra one if there's a shirt off the back or a third or something like that. But a lot of the times this is a season long Jersey. So there's a lot of good wear on them. Um, one in particular I'm thinking of is, uh, from Dan Buscella, who became a community kind of personality. Like he still lives in the community. He's part of the community, um, teaches youth hockey here. And uh, it's just hammered. Like it, it's nothing like big, but just all over the jersey is hammered based on his play. And he was a captain with us. Uh, he helped us win our first um, championship cup, the President's Cup. And again, he's a guy that I got to know a little bit. I was part of his retirement jersey night. Uh, so yeah, that's that's probably one that has most wear. There's the other one I have that is pretty hammered is Scott Hartnell's um, minors jersey, his juniors jersey rather, and it's just hammered too because it was a old school Bauer jersey. And again, it's probably the only set those guys had of that of the home or away, whichever one it is, from the uh, Raiders, and just tons of good wear i really love it yeah i don't think i have anything usually most of the jerseys these days uh especially the nhl ones they tend to cycle out a lot so you know guys don't yeah. don't rip it up as much or if they do they they get them replaced pretty quickly i think somebody at one point in the game one group a couple of years ago i think it was when pavlik passed out on the ice in, in atlanta um somebody found his jersey from that day because they had to cut it in half uh, along one of the seams, they found it in a dumpster and, you know, kind of rescued it. 
when they were just dumping stuff. But I think you know it's really hard to find anything that's really beat up. I mean, only only like the minor leagues or or the developmental leagues seem to to have any of that stuff anymore. It's it's difficult. But some of the repairs I've seen kind of funny. I've had ones where guys just kind of took like pieces of fabric from other jerseys and stitched it underneath because <laughs> there's no way you can like seal a hole that's about a quarter or or quarter size or something bigger. So, well, you might as well just right, cannibalize right. what you got on hand. But, the trade-off uh, to that is you know, with minor leagues, we get more wear, but if you're looking for a particular player that might not have been there long, it's possible their jersey could get recycled and there's no like there's no tagging, there's no that. It's just you either get it from the source or you get it on the secondary market and hope it's right. Um, whereas with the NHLers, we might not get as much wear these days because, like I said, they cycle them out or there's just a bunch of sets. Um, but at least we have more documentation, mostly. Like the Ducks are horrible. I can't stand their game worn program. It's a little rough. But, um, <laughs> It is. It's terrible. You can't, You like, I think it's just Beckett and one other place through eBay, and the dates are always wrong. Um, you just can't trust it. And there's a particular Cogliano jersey I really want, and I can't find it anywhere because I have no idea where it is. I have no idea what, you know, what was done with their game worn. Some of them are in the, the store at the pond. Well, it's not the pond anymore, but some of them are at their home ice. Some of them are with Beckett. Some of them are with this other eBay store. And it's just like, come on, man, just let give Migray the, the um, you know, say what you will about Migray's prices, but I would rather pay those prices and know where my jersey came from than it be up in the air and me spend money on, you know, a farce. Yeah, it's a, sometimes it's a little bit of a guessing game. I remember when Fanatics first took over the World Cup of Hockey stuff. Oh my god! We want to talk about a a bit of a farce or a a guessing game. That was that was among that was the ins- worst. Yeah, man. I, I I stayed away from it. There were jerseys I wanted, and some of them had have hit the secondary market, like um, uh, Couturier's and Ghost Bears. But I, with all the, I mean, you saw it. it, it so many complaints in our groups. Uh, directly to these fanatics because they they'll come to our groups and be like hey we have these on auction or available like cool you don't know what you're doing though yeah that was it was like their first time doing doing like nhl or or hockey game warns and it it definitely showed at the time (laughs) oh man man. yeah i can't imagine that being uh especially with how prestigious that event was supposed to be for the nhl since they uh, were sitting at the Olympics. I can't imagine handing it to somebody who's never done it before. But hey, that's the league for you. Um, yeah, I mean, if they can get their act together, like whatever. Uh, again, as long as there's a, a, a reliable system in place. But even fanatics, like they're just they're not for for the name being fan addicts. They are real crappy to their fans and yeah. they'll skyrocket prices like do you see that story that someone posted with the kid who couldn't get the um his mcdavid jersey signed is that the one so who he threw, threw it in the water, water? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like not game worn or anything but like that was a fanatics event if i you know if i was told correctly if i'm wrong you know my mistake but i'm pretty sure it was a fanatics event so they control all of that and you know there's argument back and forth on on whatever but the it comes down to the players doing what they're contracted to do 
And it's just like, let the kid get his jersey signed, man. Let everyone get a jersey signed. Like, you're probably paying for the event. And even if you're not, these guys are paid millions and millions of dollars. You know, a couple hours out of their day to make the fans happy isn't the worst thing in the world. Because guess what? You're going to make even more money if you show you're good at PR like that. They're like, oh, you know what? You have this extra bargaining chip. So when your contract backs up, yeah, we'll throw you an extra couple million or whatever because you spend an extra couple hours being nice to fans. I'll tell you though, that 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 was kind of embarrassing, but it did make for a really funny viral video. That's one of the funniest things I've seen. And uh, usually yeah. you just get guys throwing jerseys on the ice, but the kid just throwing it in the water and McDavid's kind of placid face after that. Uh, what a moment for an Oilers fan, I'll tell you that. Uh, now you mentioned um, uh, Pavlik, uh, his jersey, and it, it got me thinking about Peverly. Um, who also went down and there's a guy I'm talking to now. He just posted it again, offering up his Peverly Jersey and I have to do the research again, but I'm, I did it once before and I'm pretty sure it's, it's either the Jersey he wore on the night it happened or the last one he wore before it happened. And the reason I don't think it's the former is because I would assume like the Pavlik Jersey, they'd have to cut it off of him, right? Like to get to, to get to him to help him. Um, yeah, if they defibbed him or something, I would imagine that they would have cut it open and, and removed it straight because otherwise they would have had to have moved his arms and, and changed the blood flow in his body too, which I think causes additional risks. So they might have just cut it open from maybe even the chest area to get to it as fast as possible. Right, exactly. So, so like, I put this out there, man. Like, I'm glad he's okay, but, like, what happened to the jersey, man? Like, that's what we need to know. <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of, like, weird I mean, ones out you know, like where you're kind of like wondering some obscure moment of hockey history or something. Um, that one definitely not not so obscure. Uh, and unfortunately, we saw it happen again this week, past week with uh, Bo Meester. Yeah, um, Bo Meester, man. I, a buddy of mine who's a who's a hockey coach sent me that article, and I was like, "What the hell happened, man?" He's like, "He he passed out just like Peverly," and he's a he's a Dallas fan as well. He's from Texas, so he's like, "He just happened just like Peverly." I was like, get the hell out of here. Like, why are players dropping, man? So I'm I'm just glad like he's okay, right? I haven't really seen a follow-up, but I assume he's okay. I haven't seen a rest in peace Bowmeester post yet. He actually had to have uh, an internal defibrillator in, uh, installed in the surgery. I think um I'm not yeah. sure if he had some kind of like cardiac defect or something, but I mean the amount of stress that those guys put on their bodies, you know, Bowmeester at this point is I think like 36. Um and I wonder if that so all of them, up there. Yeah, he's getting up there. I think he was close to retiring anyways. But I, I think just all of that physical stress, uh, along with any other defects that form over time, if, you know, he's genetically predisposed to something, it just, you can't control it. And it just happened so quickly. Really amazing that they were able to, to get him resuscitated as fast as they did. I think they said it happened right alongside that bench. Wow. That's, yeah, well. Wish him well for sure, and hopefully that doesn't happen again, or at least for a long, long time. Because you're right, I, you know, we as hockey fans, I think we constantly argue for our boys that they work the hardest. Um, and the the easiest comparison is soccer, right? It's the closest to the game of hockey, and in soccer you don't stop, right? But you're not yeah. going 110 percent that whole time. You're going you know, certain percentages throughout the whole game, but you're nowhere near going a hundred percent. Whereas hockey, 
you're not going the entire time. But when you're on that ice, if you're not given 110%, you're probably not going to see ice time. So it, it's it's just different. You're getting hit harder. You're skating faster. It's a much rougher game. And it, it's and it, I think that leads into the collecting world. Like we see these guys giving up their bodies basically for our entertainment. It's like watching, you know, a gladiators back in Rome. You know, that's kind of what it's like. We're, we're watching our favorite warriors on the ice and we want a piece of that history. We want a piece of them. And yeah. I think that's what makes collecting game worn jerseys so appealing to those of us that do it. Right. I think we've got the time for one question that's actually probably going to be kind of on that that mindset. But, you know, given given just how special the sport can be and, and some of the moments of history, do you have one incredible jersey that you've come across, not necessarily bought, but something that either you've seen or purchased or maybe even had at one point and let go? One jersey that stands above the rest and what, you know, what made it so special? Hmm, that's a good question. So... In research, I have seen the John Scott All-Star jersey and what it's sold for. Um, I have no idea who owns it. I definitely don't own it. And it's something that it would take me years to pay off if I did own it. Um, I think it went for over like seven grand. That is definitely something I put above a lot of jerseys for sure. Um I have gotten to see in person, it's actually popped in my head just now. This is probably the most special one I've ever seen in person. Um, last summer, the summer before, when I visited Migrate, Migrate rather, um, I got to have lunch with a couple collectors, one of them who works at Migrate. And we kind of all brought some of our jerseys just to kind of share and talk about and have fun, you know, drinking a few beers, having some burgers. And this guy brought, a, I want to say it was 75. I don't think it was 74. A 1975 Dave the Hammer Schultz jersey, right? Cool, cool in its own, right? But he also brought along this huge file full of research that he had done. And he was explaining it to me and um, George. This jersey, we are... Well, he is. He did the research. He is 95 to 100% sure was worn in the 1975 game-clinching Stanley Cup playoffs against Buffalo. Wow. It was was beautiful. And, and I mean, you can imagine as a Flyers fan, it doesn't matter what age we are. We all just have this innate connection to the Broad Street Bullies. It's just something we can't let go. Um as as a Philadelphian, they represented our city well, and that city doesn't get a lot of wins. So when people talk shit like, oh, can't you let go of the past? Like, well, no, it's part of our past. It's what we're proud of. It's our heritage. But anyway, like seeing that jersey, it was beautiful. It was hammered. Getting to see how small it actually was, um, because, you know, those were big guys. You'd think they'd be big jerseys, but the pads were so small. They almost didn't wear shoulder pads back then. So... It was actually a pretty small jersey. There's a picture of it on my Facebook um, where I got to hold it up. There's no nameplate. That was part of his research. Um, you know, he went deep on, like, not just photo matching, but, like, why, like, the arm number eight, like, on the arm, 
like where the position was in relation to all the other ones he'd worn. And that was kind of his clincher of why it was worn that day. So yeah. you, you know, got to really do a lot of yeah, research. That, that's yeah. definitely a big one. I could imagine, you know, given the the kind of press files that you had available back then and, and what's still surviving in archives these days, doing that amount of research is just, it really is an extraordinary task to, to kind of find evidence for that being something, you know, that special. Yeah, exactly. The It was very impressive. And I think he said it took him several years um, in doing it. And the, the funny postscript to that story is um, he actually, he owned a Schultz previously and actually sold one back to Dave himself because Dave still lives in the area. Um, but Dave wants that one because he has, um, he wants a Jersey for each one of his kids. So he needs like one more. And uh, the, the, owner of of this jersey is like i'll i'll sell it to you for what i paid for it and i think he paid it was either 20 or 30 grand Ooh. for that jersey at auction yeah, i definitely don't have uh i don't have any jerseys like that i'll tell you that, <laughs> that no is... no not at all i will never own a jersey like that unless my circumstances drastically change man you know but that, that you know, but it boggles my mind, you know, people like Sean Chalk in our community was a great guy. Um, and he just, he's a Gretzky collector. Like that's, that's insane to think about that. You have that much money that you collect Gretzky. Yeah. I think, <sighs> uh, I think there's, there's some jerseys that I would be afraid to have in my house or within, you know, 50 square miles of my house. I'd just keep it in a, uh, if I were to have something like that, it would be going in a bank vault somewhere. Um, yeah remember, right yeah. yeah i was like a, i think at my grade was it last year they had the the gretzky blues jersey and i was like afraid to breathe on it or even get close and i'm thinking to myself oh you know this is probably one of the top five rarest jerseys i've ever seen in any form format whether it's on like a photo or in person or anything and i'm like i don't want to get near this thing man yeah, I I think when I was there, they had um, they were in the middle of doing their McDavid run, and even that, seeing that in person, they had like a jersey set up and some of his gear around it. Like even seeing that in person, because you know he's basically the new Gretzky, right? Like yeah, exactly. Um, so seeing that now um, is kind of like seeing a Gretzky back in the eighties, and maybe you're not too sure about its significance but after living through Gretzky and knowing like knowing how much this jersey on this table no matter what set it is how much this is going to be worth in 20 or 30 years is mind-boggling yeah especially I mean, if he wins the cup can you imagine if he brings a cup to Edmonton again Jesus I mean McDavid is I, I've seen we've all seen so many hockey players and still, I've never seen anyone who skates as well and who reads the ice as well as he does all at, at speed. I mean, the stuff that he does, it's video game level. I mean, it, it makes it actually makes the NHL video game look not realistic enough. I mean, it, he just I don't know how he does it. I don't know how his mind processes things at such high speeds, but he is a cheat code and his jerseys, <laughs> his jerseys are going to be something special. I know he's probably going to wear like 60,000 a year, but. You still just want one. Yeah, just, yeah. Just but whatever. Like, like it doesn't matter. Like, as long he's one of those guys where you don't care what set you have, you have a McDavid. There's there a lot of guys him. like that. Yeah. Um, like I like I have a Leclerc, and he's one of the guys that like 
I, I you just don't care what it is. You know, if you're lucky enough to have a name like that, then you have it. And luckily, I I did some research, and mine is a little bit special. It was the last white home jersey he ever wore before they switched the colors around. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. That's a pretty amazing jersey. Yeah, it's definitely a, a nice uh like snapshot through time for sure. But yeah, right. Guys like McDavid, Gretzky, Crosby, even though I you know, I hate Crosby, but you can't deny his skill. Um guys like that, they'll always it'll always just be like whatever you have of them is fantastic. As long as you've got something. Hell, I'll I'll take a, a little thing of, of sweat. <laughs> The, the McDavid sweat, just a just a little bit of ounce of success in a in a little bottle. I know that they sell all sorts of weird things in bottles these days. Um, For Harry Potter fans, that's what we call liquid luck. Oh, geez, yeah. No, I don't think I actually need that, but uh, I'm sure somebody will pay money for it because somebody will pay money for everything. But uh, that's true. Bill, thanks so much for coming on this evening. Do you want to plug any of your podcasts or social media accounts before we log off? I would love to. So I am the host of three different podcasts, uh, The Nerd Herd, Real Rants, and Top Shelf. Nerd Herd is a kind of a variety show. We have a lot of great new shows coming out. We just booked a bunch of guests um, that I can't announce just yet, but uh, three of them for sure are childhood heroes. Um, Real Rants is where we um, talk about TV shows and movies. And Top Shelf is our hockey show, which um, there's not a lot of content, but it's still there. Um, if you go to lionsdenmedia.com, spelled L-Y-O-N-S, um, it'll link you up to all of our social media platforms. Uh, if you subscribe to the YouTube, you get the first look at all of our podcasts and content. If you follow us on Instagram, um, you get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes stuff, that kind of thing. Um so yeah, check us out, follow us, subscribe, help make our roar louder. All right, Bill, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Take it easy. Thanks again, folks, for listening. I hope you all enjoyed this first episode of our Game Worn Stories. Stay tuned for tomorrow's episode, which will have an interview with a local DC Caps collector named Zach Wolpoff. Thanks again, have a great night, and go Jets go!